Do you like all things spooky? How about chilling stories that have you reaching for the covers? In this podcast, we're going under the covers to delve into all things from chilling haunts to your worst nightmares. I'm Morgan. And I'm Emily. And this is why we don't Don't sleep sleep alone. And welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to try to start off this episode on a more positive note because it's about to get real negative here in a second. Yeah, we've been trying to start this episode, I want to say, for like 30 minutes and we keep... (laughs) Derailing um, because it's... Yeah, because neither of us really want to talk about this. And can we also talk about the timing too and how unsettling it is that we were trying to record this episode. We didn't really put it on a calendar. We just knew that we were going to be hanging out like the the following week. And so we're like, yeah, we'll just record it that day. And then we both ended up looking at the date as we were sitting down about ready to record. And we realized that it was like the anniversary of the actual case that we're going to be talking about today, which is the Villisca axe murders. Mm -hmm. And we both decided no. (laughs) Yeah. Not, not going to bring that bad juju. Cause like, I don't know what it is, but this story by itself already freaks me out more Mm -hmm. than most. Like, I don't know why because like I've heard of so many different ghost stories and I've looked into so many different ghost story things and stuff like that. And night like, None of them have ever stressed me out a whole lot. Mm-hmm. This one stressed me out so much that I was listening to another podcast on the way over here, and I got so scared that I turned on all the lights in my car. Yep. And I called <laughs> Olivia, and I was like, Olivia, I'm so scared right now. I don't know what to do. I was like freaking out in the car. I feel like I don't, it's not the murder part that scares me. It's all the heebie-jeebies afterwards. I don't know. Just in general, before we even started researching the ghost stuff, I was already feeling that like stomach pit feeling about this story. And then hearing those ghost stories kind of just like, as much as I didn't want to believe them, I was like, I don't know. I was just like overwhelmed with this, this really dark just entity like it's just a feeling that you get from it you're just like this is just evil it's just wrong not it and uh speaking of evil um i had sleep paralysis a couple weeks ago (laughs) oh fun we love that and uh, i've never had it before and that was like the most terrifying experience of my life oh yeah and every night i go to sleep all i do is think about oh my god Oh my god! Oh my god! I hope I don't have it tonight. Oh my god! I hope I don't have it tonight. That is terrifying. Oh my god! It was like it was so scary. I was literally there. I was like, I know what's going on, and I know if I open my eyes, I'm gonna see a demon or I'm gonna see something Mm -hmm. scary. Because I was at an Airbnb too, and Airbnbs always make me uncomfortable, anyways, because I'm afraid of someone breaking in and killing me. Not because of the true crime that I listen to nonstop. Oh, of course not. But so I was already like spooked out about that. And I just was not sleeping well. And I finally fell asleep. And I woke up and I was like, I can't move. This is awesome. I'm, you know. And I was like, oh my god, something bad is going to happen to me. Like, I'm going to start seeing stuff. I just need to close my eyes and hope I fall back asleep soon. And then as I was closing my eyes, obviously I don't know if this was just my sleep brain Mm -hmm. doing this or not. Or if this was, like, actually, like happening spill the tea but my sleep brain heard someone walking to me no like like boots like walking on the ground towards me 
And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to throw up. And like, I could hear Dylan snoring in the other room. So I know that he wasn't like walking to me or sleeping or anything like that. Like I could hear him snoring. I knew that he was snoring. So he's asleep, obviously. And he doesn't sleepwalk. And I was like, just keep your eyes closed. Just keep your eyes closed. It'll be fine. And then I fell asleep and I woke up and I was sweating so much <laughs> profusely <laughs> I was sweating so much Me right like, now <laughs> I was like so stressed out I like had gotten like two hours of sleep and like we had a 10 and a half mile hike ahead of us and I was like I'm not going back to sleep no. I can't <laughs> tapped out can't do it and the next night I told Dylan I was like if you wake up at all throughout the night just wake me up and he was like you want me to wake you up every time and I was like yes yes just just make sure I'm not like having sleep paralysis yeah Oh my god, that makes me very unsettled. Thanks for telling me, like, right now. Yeah. At 11.30 at night. I really appreciate that. I wanted to wait. I wanted to have, like, the shock factor. You know what I mean? Oh my god. Let me sprinkle in some surprise. And it worked. It definitely worked. Today's story actually takes place in Villisca. I think that's how you say it. Villisca, Iowa. And it happened in 1912. Mm. So kind of just like keep that in the back of your head while you're listening to this because a lot of it is just kind of left in the air because, you know, no forensic science, no way to like really prove or have any evidence after what had happened. So the Moore family, which consisted of Josiah, which is the father, he was 43. You have Sarah, who was 39. That was the wife. Um, They had four children. So you had Herman, who was 11, Mary, who was 10. Arthur, who was seven, and Paul, who was just five. Um, They were super liked in the community. The mother, Sarah, she dealt a lot with the church and so did the kids because the kids really enjoyed doing that too. They were Presbyterian, so they went to a small Presbyterian church in Iowa. And on June 9th in 1912, um, Mary Catherine Moore invited the two girls, Ina May, and Lena Stillinger over to just have a sleepover after the church event that they were going to be doing that Sunday, um, which, what was the name? <clears throat> oh, the Children's Day Program. That's what it's called, which um, Sarah ended up coordinating. Married. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of planned the whole thing <clears throat> with herself and her daughters and then the two Stillinger sisters, Ina and Lena. So they all went home kind of like normally, like they would after this event. Um, It's kind of up in the air of what time they got home, but we know how far along, like how far of a walk it was from the church to their house. So many suspect it was around like 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So they're getting home pretty late. Um, They end up getting washed up and end up in bed. And by midnight, the lights are out. The next morning, Mary Peckham, which is the Moore's neighbor, she, I think it was around seven o'clock in the morning. Yep. Usually by this time, dawn has came and went, you know, it's, it's light out, the sun's up. That means people need to be up and doing their chores, doing all that kind of stuff. Taking care of their livestock and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Because again, this is 1812. It's not just like you have yourself in your house to take care of. Chores were a full-time job. Yeah. You had... You know, you were self-sustaining for a lot of things, so Mm -hmm. you had to let out the chickens, you had to, you know, put out, you know, whatever food you were going to start making, like, 
You had a lot to do. the cleaning and stuff like that. Yeah. So whenever Mary kind of noticed around 7 o'clock in the morning that no one had even been out to let out the chickens or do anything, mm-hmm. she kind of just like welcomed herself over there thinking that they were just getting like a late start and let out the chickens. So after she let out the chickens, she noticed like how incredibly silent the house was. Like, she couldn't hear anyone stirring inside as if someone had been awake, someone was awake, you know, stuff like that. So she went and knocked on their door. and She was greeted with zero answer. No one answered the door. Still silent on the inside. She still waited. No stirring. And that's whenever she tried the front door because she kind of just got this, like, pit feeling in her stomach that something just wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and another red flag for Mary Peckham was the fact that the front door was locked. Yeah. Like. It's a small town. They're not really locking their doors at night. There's not really much to be afraid of if there's only 2,000 people in in your town, you know? Also, if you're up and, you know, doing your normal chores, or even if you're up in general, like, you're probably going to have your doors unlocked. The door would have been unlocked at that yeah, point. Yeah, because you would have been going in and out to be taking care of things. Since Mary realized, okay, the door's locked. This is super uncommon. I don't know what to do. She calls Josiah brother and he's like hey do you have a copy of the key or something we need to get in this house see what's going on if Mm -hmm. your family's okay he went in alone and almost immediately ran out of the house reporting that there had been figures found covered by sheets with pools of blood everywhere and then later said something terrible has happened after this he pleaded with everyone saying hey don't go in there like Mm-hmm. This is going to be your worst nightmare for the rest of your life. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to unsee this. People didn't really listen, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Townspeople just kind of, like, let themselves in. But he realized, okay, people need to stop digging around all this stuff. And someone mm-hmm. who's, like, actually knows what to do with this needs to come in. So the brother calls Hank, who's a local peace officer. Um, and he asks him to come and inspect the house further. Uh, So at the time, a peace officer is kind of like a public sector employee. They Mm -hmm. just enforced the law um, during this time period. It could be anyone from police officer to just anyone that works in that field. Yeah. So it could be anything from like... Just kind of a loose term. Yeah, very Mm -hmm. loose. Around 8.30 a.m. So this has been a while since the neighbor woke up Mm -hmm. and realized, hey... At 7 a.m. Right. So an hour and a half later, Hank shows up. He inspects the house and comes out a few minutes later saying that someone was murdered in every bed. And the weirdest thing about this that, like, kind of freaked the town out was that the family didn't have any bad blood. No, they were liked by everyone, especially with Sarah being part of the church, too. But, like, even... The Stillinger sisters. Yeah. They didn't have any bad blood either. Like, it's a small town. You know if someone has bad blood with you. And Mm -hmm. no one had any beef with them. So it was super weird but the one thing that they could conclude was that the murders were committed with the father's axe the murder weapon was the father's axe axe murders at this time period were actually kind of popular because everyone had an axe well yeah because everyone had to do their basic chores and like basic duties i guess and you would need an axe to like either cut down firewood to like keep yourself warm in the winter like It seems like a very common tool. They do suspect that it happened between 12 and 5 a.m. Because by the time Hank finally got there, at 8.30, the blood had kind of already been, like, coagulated. Okay. And, like, 
You could tell that the bodies had been sitting there for a minute. Some suspect that they, um, the killer hid in a barn and then hid in the house, or he just hid in the house. It's kind of like dodgy on where. Yep. But there was cigarette buds found in the attic of the Moore family home. I think there was exactly two of them, but there yep. were no other trace of an attic of who had left them and where they had gone afterwards. We can kind of almost picture just the killer just sitting and waiting. Yeah. Waiting like, for the family to just all fall asleep because it is proven that they were all killed in their sleep. And you can see that by the way that they were laying whenever, I guess, um, yep. Josiah's brother went into the home. Yeah. Like these were all in positions where someone naturally would be sleeping in. It's not like he, you know, moved them around and, and did all that kind of stuff. So the fact that he had the skill to one, do it without waking up the rest of the house and two, how swiftly he did it. But then he ends up like getting their faces so mutilated that you almost can't tell that it's the family. The only thing that tells you that is because it's they're sleeping in their beds, you know? Yeah. So it's suspected that um, the killer actually began with the parents upstairs because you can kind of see again by like the timestamp of their bodies and how decomposed they were. Um the parents were probably killed first. So I think whoever was probably trying to do it was definitely targeting Josiah for sure. Yes. What the motives were, I am at a loss because I have no idea. Yeah, no Um, one does. Like, even all these stories that I've read of, like, who they suspected, I was still kind of at the end not feeling settled by thinking that we had, like, Actually figured out who it was but we'll talk about that in a little bit yeah um so the killer crept up to the parents bedrooms and killed josiah with a swift just axe overhead and coming down hard on his face to be able to kill him in one blow and yeah. how we know he stood up on the bed and kind of you know axed from above was that there were actually scrape marks up on the ceiling of the moore family home like as if the blade was like hitting, yes. hitting the ceiling, yes, and coming down. Mm-hmm. He must. You can tell that by blood splatter. That's how they kind of like contrived their suspects and being like, so and so couldn't be it because like you have to be really strong to wield an axe like that. Have you ever like thrown an axe? They're really heavy. I mean, I've like picked up an axe because we've had to chop firewood at my mom's and stuff like that. And how many times does it take you to go like, oh, I don't know, on a piece of wood for it to get all the way through? Can you imagine a person? And you can also tell that he did it with the blade down because his skull was like basically shattered and Mm -hmm. cut in one piece, Mm -hmm. which is actually really interesting because as we learn later on, no one else had their blade used against their skull. Yeah. The killer used the blunt end on every single other person except for Josiah. And after doing that, he then moved over to the next bedroom Mm. where there was Herman, Catherine, Boyd, and Paul. So the four kids that are the Moore family. Mm -hmm. After killing all four of them, he goes downstairs with again without waking the other ones as he's doing it bludgeoning them to death which doesn't make any sense like no one hears anything because not a single one of the victims has defensive wounds except for one one of the stillinger sisters Mm -hmm. lena the older one i think she was like 12 Mm -hmm. yeah 
They see some on her arms and they also found blood on her legs. The main thing that was different compared to her, everyone else was laying like just in their bed as they normally would. As they were sleeping. Yeah. She looked as if she was like killed and then not not necessarily killed, but maybe even like injured or something or in the middle of a fight. Mm -hmm. And she kind of like wiggled herself sideways almost. Yeah. And a little bit off the bed. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is, like, this is the worst part. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to say this. It's, like, it makes, it's just, like, it's so sad mm-hmm. and it makes me so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The other main thing that was different between her and everyone else was that they believed it was possible she may have been sexually molested either before or after the killings because her nightgown had been pushed all the way up. And I remember reading that. Yeah. yeah her undergarments had been pulled. Like, she didn't have any of them on. Yeah, I think they were shoved in between the mattress and the bed frame, actually. Yeah. Which was really weird. Like, why he would take the extra time to yep, kind of hide it and not, like, actually hide it. I just... Yeah. It's all really unsettling. So, he goes back upstairs and then, just to add more salt to the wound, just continues to bludgeon all of the family to death. And he goes around the house and does really odd things like doesn't he take out like bacon and just leave it on the counter so there was four pounds of bacon that was in the freezer Mm -hmm. and he took out half of it and then put it in front of the bedroom with the keychain and he specifically put it in front of the downstairs bedroom that had the two sisters yeah with the one that they believe may have been sexually molested another super weird thing that he does is he covers all the mirrors all the windows Mm-hmm. And all the faces of the victims. Which is common. That lack of empathy. They don't want that someone looking at them. Yeah. You know, that's why like you hear a lot about like the decapitation or like the gouging of the eyes and stuff like that. Like they really don't want their victims to see them. Yeah. Like it's almost like this like incredible feeling of shame. Mm-hmm. Like he even went on to like, I think, cover some of like the telephones too. Yep. Because they looked like faces. Yeah. He also tries to at some point kind of clean off the axe it doesn't really work very well like mm-hmm. there's still blood on it it's kind of like he thought about wiping it off and then didn't. didn't but there was a bowl filled with water left on the counter that was not just any old water it was bloody water as if he like washed his hands in it and just left it there like just, just yeah because nothing could like incriminate him at that point so it didn't really matter I feel like, what if he was getting interrupted and that's why he didn't clean off the axe? But then I feel like there would be more information on this case. I guess. With a town of 2,000 people, you know what I mean? Like, someone would say, oh, yeah, I did hear something, Mm -hmm. and so I went to go investigate. You know what I mean? So, two different kerosene lamps. There was one at the foot of Josiah and Sarah's bed, and then one at the foot of the Stillinger girls' beds. And the chimney was off of the lamps. Now, the chimney... I, I, I did a lot of research into mm-hmm. this because, obviously, I have no idea what it... Kerosene you like, I Like, I know what it is, What's obviously. the anatomy but of like, a kerosene yes, lamp? I don't know the anatomy of it. I've never had to use one in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, So, I don't know a lot about them. So, okay. I actually did a little bit of a deep dive. So, the chimney of the lamp... And I'm going to sound so stupid if I'm wrong. Like, no, I need everyone to not look this up because if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. I know I'm an idiot. Okay, I did my best. 
So the chimney of these kerosene lamps is the glass part that's around the flame. Mm-hmm. So it keeps it from going out. Yeah. But you can remove the chimney to make a very, very dim flame. Interesting. Because of science. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it was like he may have removed the chimney and that's what he used to be able to get up and down the stairs mm-hmm. without anyone being awoken by the lights. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting so spooked. I know. <laughs> there was also some accounts that some of the other kerosene lamps had been, their wicks had been bent, which also causes it to have a low flame. Okay. So I don't know if those were the ones that yeah. were in the bedroom or not, yes. but like still. Yeah, I think so. Very creepy. Yeah. And like to just take the, he like took the chimney off and then would just like throw it underneath wherever. Like it, it was very, it was very weird, but that's really all that was found in the crime scene. Yeah. Not including all the things that people either touched, manipulated, you know, stole. Cause a lot of people were stealing stuff as like a souvenir, which mm-hmm. is also really weird, but you know, to each their own. Yeah. Don't mind all the buckets of blood everywhere yeah. or all the DNA traces. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Also any disease that could be, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Transmitted through blood. Don't worry. Don't about worry it. about it. It's okay. It's fine. It's fine. There was actually someone who was local right in the beginning of whenever they were first figuring out before Hank had gotten there. He was trying really hard. I think he was like a mortician or something. Okay. Or a pharmacist, something in the medical field. But he had a camera and he knew a little bit about crime scenes and he saw that the townspeople kept going into the home and all that kind of stuff and coming out with things. So he went in and tried to snap some photos. Oh. Yeah. To just try to like preserve the crime scene as best as he could and right. record it and document it. But Josiah ended up kind of like getting like weirded out thinking that he was just like some creep trying to get some pictures of some dead people um, and ended up shooing him out. So oh. again, we don't have all of that kind of stuff, which is really, really sad. But, um, I think if you go onto like the Smithsonian website, mm-hmm. I think they actually have some of the photos that he would have taken at that time, which was oh. really, really cool. And probably um, terrifying. Oh, absolutely terrifying. I didn't even want to look at them because I was terrified, but it's, it's Okay. It's all good. Don't worry about it. We're fine. Either way, 1912, not a lot of technology, not a lot of, um, like, crime surveillance and crime kind of, like, crime scene experience to really understand what could kind of, like, make or break a case, basically. Especially because it's such a small town. Exactly. They probably don't get a lot of crazy crime like that. Exactly. So they weren't really, like, trained for this kind of, like craziness you know the first of the suspects was actually the reverend who had been the um traveling preacher oh that week for church and he ended up leaving the next morning and two people ended up coming up saying that you know he said this really really eerie quote eight less souls in um villisca like as he was getting on the train to yeah leave. but then they later said that like oh yeah he didn't really say that but i'm like that seems really like specific to like even think of, but I I don't know. You can't really convince me that it was him because I'm pretty convinced it was someone else, but um, I I mean, I, I really, you think it's Reverend. I, I really lean more towards Reverend. I mean, he was there only on that weekend. 
uh, people claimed that they thought they saw him being a peeping Tom, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about in the past. Yes, we have. At the actual Villisca house. I mean, obviously, these are claims, you know. We can't really back them up. But that's one of the claims. Um, Another claim, just he was a traveling preacher on that weekend Mm -hmm. and then left really early in the morning not too long after the bodies were found. He was also known for sexual deviancy as yes. well. So that's a notable mention for that. So again, whenever you mix religion and sexual deviancies, it's not really a good look. Like it's not it's not a good look. So it kind of made him look really guilty. There was also some history with him trying to hire a sonographer. And he explicitly said in that letter that she would have to do this job while naked. Ugh. And then he sent her junk pics in 1912. I mean, like a bunch of like gross letters yeah. too, right? Like like really graphic <laughs> letters to where the judge in the court was like, we're not going to talk about these. This yeah. is too horrific to be in the court system or something like that. Exactly. Like, like It was pretty gross. Gross, bro. Can you imagine getting a dick pic in 1912? <laughs> no. I don't even want dick pics now. Honestly. Like, I don't want to. No one wants dick pics. Boys. No, no stop. one wants them. No one wants them. She doesn't want it. She doesn't. If she did, she would. And you know what? He probably doesn't want it either. No. So Mm-mm. they probably don't want it. We just, uh, you know. <laughs> he also had like mental breakdowns as a child. Yes. So, like, and they were like recorded. Too. Yeah. It's just. I see where you could think that it's him. I really can. He doesn't have a lot going for him. Like, he really doesn't. And the other thing, too, was that he was left-handed. Yes. And because of the way the blood splatters were, because of the way the scrapes on the ceiling and stuff like you had talked about, Mm -hmm. like, the investigators thought that, okay, because the angle of the swing, which I don't know how they figured this out in 1912. (laughs) I wouldn't even be able to figure this out now. But... They figured that because of the angle of the swing, it had to be someone who was left-handed. Mm-hmm. And le- being left-handed is really not that popular. Not a lot of people no. are. So, he's he's got a lot of things it against fits. him. It fits. If the shoe fits, yeah, it fits on the left foot. Oh, yeah. He ended up coming back disguised as a Scotsman detective or something like yes. that. And comes back to the crime scene, which, again, we've talked about. They like to relive... That, like, trauma and relive that mm-hmm. sexual, you know... Awakening. Awakening. So, the fact that he, like, dressed up and came back... Yep. ...to visit the house while they were, like, doing tours and stuff like that. He mm-hmm. was, like, asking for, like, tons of information. It was also just kind of weird that he would even try to do that. So... Yep. Again, weird. Don't like this guy. Um, uh, eventually, he was arrested and, like two years later for sexual harassment or something like that. Um, and then he was later admitted to a mental hospital. And where the doctors suspected he was the one who committed the crimes of Velisca while doing, like, mm-hmm. his, like, interviews and, like, sessions. But also, everything he said was, like, super vague. So they couldn't really, like, super pin it on him, but, like, kind of pin it on him. It just made a lot of sense that it was him. Right, but then three years later, in 1917, he was arrested for the murders after an interrogation where he confessed. And then he later took it back, right. which is what's crazy to me. And they were like, okay. Yeah, so after <gasps> like after they arrested for that, he was going to go to trial. He recanted his statement, 
And then the jury claimed he wasn't guilty due to lack of evidence. Mm -hmm. So he just, like, walked free. That's it. No big deal. Like, he just can confess and then not confess anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. And that'd be it. Who I think it is. Henry Lee Moore. Um, who was a convicted serial killer, and I think he ended up getting actually convicted in Missouri, if I have that fact straight. Um, but he did, like, similar crimes across, you know, the Midwest. And by similar, we mean axe murders, which was a handy tool. So I don't know if he was, like, really thinking outside the box or if he was just an angry dude who was misunderstood. But um, he ended up also taking the lamps off like there was just some similar nuances yeah that were there but like they could have just been strategic rather than in common you know what i'm saying like of course you would want low light so what's the one way you can do that is taking off the thing you know what i'm saying so um and again being a serial killer you're going to cover all those bases so are they really similar kind of in nuances but we can't really say that it was him although it kind of matches up his timeline of when he was where, and it kind of vaguely falls within the time of year that the Velisca, <laughs> the Velisca axe murders actually happened. So that's why I'm really convinced that it's him because I don't know. I just feel like there's like Reverend Kelly. I feel like, yes, he definitely sounds guilty, but did we find out if Henry Lee Moore was also left-handed? No, I don't think we did. No. I don't think so. It was never noted. I feel like that's something mm-hmm. that you would know. Yeah, that he was also left-handed. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, though, just because they said that, you know, we think it's someone's left-handed. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, they don't have to be. Yeah, they don't have to be. Maybe mm-hmm. they injured their right arm, so they're a little bit yeah. stronger with their left now. You know, something like that. Like You are so right. There was also one of the townsmen who... Also was on the suspect list for some time, too. Right. Frank Jones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up reading about him, too. Basically, when the times got tough for <laughs> Josiah, you know, and and Jones was kind of, like, asking a little bit too much from him and not really giving him the money to back it up, Josiah ended up leaving and going to Jones's like, competition, right? That was, like, John Deere. Mm-hmm. Like, which is crazy because, you know, John Deere is around today. And we know that as a freaking lawnmower. Yeah. But he ends up switching as a salesman to John Deere, which is Frank Jones's immediate competition. Yeah. So, again, here's some motive, you know. And then there was also rumors going around town about how, like, I guess Josiah was sleeping with Jones' daughter. But, again, these were all speculated after the murder had already happened. So... I'm not really sure if that actually was a thing or if it was just, you know, people just drama making talk, you know, talking the talk. No one was really ever charged. And it's like, it's still consider it a cold case because like there's nothing you can do from it. Yeah. Um, But people have been trying to solve it by actually going to the Villisca Axe Murder home where you can go and take a tour. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also seen like ghost hunting. TV episodes where they try to stay overnight and no one ends up being able to yeah. do it like, <laughs> because no it's just there's just so much bad energy that's associated with that house. There have been accounts of teens going in and breaking in and trespassing and and using their Ouija board hoping to get like the most ghosty experience of their life, you know, which is just inviting all the awful things to come in and just don't use Ouija boards. 
Would not recommend. Yeah, you're literally opening a door and, oh my god, you have to tell the story. You don't know who you're talking to. Oh my gosh. Whenever you open, whenever you are using a Ouija board, you don't know who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You don't. They can say they're one person, or not one person, but you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not them. Like You don't know that. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think the creepiest Ouija board story, which is from this house, was that these, like you were saying, kids broke in, and they were like, yeah, we're going to use our Ouija board. You know what I mean? Oh, God, no. And while they were in there using their Ouija board, were trying to sign stuff, and what was it? Oh, no. Didn't the ghost mention, like, I'm going to possess you? Yes. So they were, like, trying to talk to the ghost, and the ghost was like, I'm going to possess you. And then as they were trying to say goodbye, all language warning, <laughs> I guess a bunch of different ghosts because they had an EMF reader at the time too. Mm-hmm. So like they were picking up different things that were going on along with the Ouija board. They were hearing all these other voices, like multiple different voices mm-hmm. all saying, fuck you, as they're trying to say goodbye. <laughs> no. No, no, don't mess with it. Oh my goodness. Don't do it. You're just bringing in dark energy. And that's the thing about this place is that it's so weird because there's a lot of dark energy here, but there's also a lot of like light energy because the kids are there. Yeah. The children. They're which they're kind of known for mostly just like playing games with people, which there was one guy that I read and he was talking about how he went with his family on like one of the ghost tours mm-hmm. and uh, towards the end, they kind of just let you roam about the house on your own. No. Nope. Oh, there's problem number one. So <laughs> uh, while they're all downstairs and kind of just walking around the bedrooms of where these murders happened, they were standing in the living room and they ended up hearing footsteps above them as if someone was walking upstairs. No. So the youngest, I guess his like younger sister ran outside and went to go talk to like his dad or something like that. And was like, um, you will never believe what we just heard, blah, blah, blah. So his dad comes in and goes with the rest of the family to go kind of like check it out upstairs, right? (laughs) Oh, Emily, it's about to get so much worse. So they go upstairs and check it out. No one's up there, obviously. You know, Emily, it's about to get much worse. It's about to get. Yes. I'm sweating much. so much. <laughs> I'm sweating so much. Okay. 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 You can go. You can go. So they go upstairs and with no prevail, no one's up there, obviously. So they keep kind of like showing themselves around and walking around. They go into the children's room upstairs trying to feel something and nothing ends up happening after about 20 or 30 minutes. So they're like, hey, let's go up to the attic where the serial killer kind of sat and waited just because that would people had always talked about how creepy it is that feeling up there. So once they go up there, he's up there with his mom and he ends up hearing people like children whispering in his ear. He's obviously kind of like freaked out. So he turns to his mom and he's like, Hey, we should go back to the children's room thinking that it's a sign to come back to the kid's room so that he can maybe connect with them, do something So him and his mother go back into the room and his mom actually has a pink ball. And it's been suspected that Paul was the one that is often known for playing games with with all of these um, visitors that come. So she thought that, oh, she like tried rolling the ball for Paul 
And he didn't end up rolling it back the first couple of times. And she was like, oh, maybe because it's like pink. So she ends up finding a blue ball that she actually has. <laughs> um, and it is said that the ball started to roll back and forth. They would push it to Paul in the corner and the ball would come back. And they did this for a few minutes, which is... No. no. It's very no. sweet. Don't get me wrong. But like also... Terrifying. No. Absolutely not. I'm good. I'm okay. And then there are other games that like these ghosts used to play. Like there was like a light, a flashlight game or something. Yes. So the flashlight game is like, so basically it's a specific type of flashlight and you, it's one of the ones where you screw it to turn it on and screw it to turn it off. Uh And so what you do is you unscrew it just barely enough so that the light turns off. But the funny thing about the supernatural is that they're made of EMF radiation Uh and that EMF radiation when close to the flashlight can bridge the rece- like the receptors to turn the light on. So they use this, like a lot of investigators use this to communicate with ghosts because you can tell them, Hey, for yes, blink the light on once for no blink it off twice. You know I've what I mean? Seen like, that on ghost hunters, yes, it's so, yeah. terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. It makes me want to throw up. Emily, um, stop looking past. Me I know. Like stop. No, stop. You stop. You stop. You stop. You stop. <laughs> um, and so I guess they actually. <laughs> you stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So. Oh my God. Hold on. They, Can we take a break? No. Just two seconds. I just need like two seconds. Oh my God. I am so freaked out. I'm, I need sage. On my neck. So. Oh, oh I'm sweating God, so much. I'm sweating so okay. profusely. So a lot of ghost hunters use this as like. A form of communication with these ghosts is yes. using that kind of like flashlight method. Yeah, so you can use it for yes and no kind of thing. It's like Morse code, but yes, creepy kind of. <laughs> yes, but so a lot of kids like to use it, and since this is a place where a lot of kids died, mm-hmm. you know, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, all different types of supernatural lifetimes and stuff like that will use it, but a lot of kids are more interested in it because it's fun. You know, yeah. it's a light. Like mm-hmm. you turn it on, you turn it off. It's fun. Um, another game that people have done at this house is like a door game oh god where they'll say to the kids in the room or sometimes the kids will be in the closet Mm -hmm. like for this one specific instance i'm going to talk about there was a ghost in the closet and the door had been shut and they said hey we really want to play with you can we play with you and the closet door opened and then they said, oh, we're sorry, Emily. we don't want to play with you anymore. Is that okay? And the door would shut. And it's like stuff like that where they'll like say, oh, open the, will you open the door for us? And they'll open the door and they'll say, will you close it for us? And they'll close it. I know you and I both staring at the door in the room right now, freaking out, just losing. <laughs> Morgan's going to lose it. i she's going to lose it. <laughs> You're so spooked. So that's all the games that are there. Um, among, I'm just gonna finish this off for you because you're yep. you're out. You're out. You're Checked out. out. I'm so freaked out by this. And again, it's not because of like how scary the story is. It's because we've definitely researched some pretty scary stuff. It's the fact that the timing on when we were supposed to record this was 
the in a, oh my god oh my god emily no okay see i thought i was a scary cat and morgan is just like twenty thousand oh times god. worse i am really bad i'm like having to scoop up my feet because i feel like i'm being touched and i don't like it so, um among these games some of the other things that are common are cold spots uh, nausea dizziness headaches stuff yeah. like that uh one of the more weirder things that I think that really stressed me out a lot is that for some reason there's like a really dark energy around windows. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you try to go up to the window and like look out from inside the house, then it's like this like energy that is either pushing you towards the house or pulling you towards the house, but it like does not want you to be near the windows at all. Which I guess we can kind of like pull from that whole like him covering all the windows before mm-hmm. he left and like all that kind of stuff. So it's just like I feel like that might be why that energy is with the windows and why it's so creepy. Um <laughs> so there are like tons of accounts and like we keep on going on for like hours of like the terrifying stories some people put out on the internet which you can believe if you want to and you cannot believe them if you want to but they definitely make me uncomfortable either way yeah so but there are like some uh websites that like completely deny all hauntings yep they're like no not a thing and some people are like oh yeah it's a, the house is bugged people are doing this on purpose just to you know get more money and more traction and all this kind of stuff so no. believe what you will but the whole Ouija board thing and then watching that episode that you sent to me like earlier today, I was just completely, I I have to believe that some sort of dark energy has happened there to like to have that much of a footprint of something so traumatic and for there to not be something paranormal tied to it. I just think it's highly unlikely. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm uncomfortable, Emily. Yeah, I'm sweating a lot. I'm I, sweating. I have the chills in my spine. Yeah. I am not going to be able to sleep well tonight. I'm so sweaty. I'm just, I'm just so (sighs) profusely sweaty, but I currently am wrapping myself in two blankets because I'm so scared. (laughs) And that's why I'm profusely sweating, but I don't see myself taking these blankets off for a really long time. Not anytime soon. So I think I'm just going to sweat and that's okay. That's fine. It's okay. I'm okay with sweating. It's fine. Because the blanket will protect me. Exactly. And we are both following our rule tonight, and we are not sleeping alone. Yes. I have my best friend, Olivia, who is too terrified to listen to us. Yeah, but she's supporting us from afar. Yep. She's still in the other room. And you have your husband. Or we can just fall asleep on the couch while (laughs) watching The Office. (laughs) Listen or watch something that's a good palate cleanser. Watch something happy. Uh, or burn do something, some siege. Do something that makes you happy. Leave on a light. Burn frankincense and copal at the same time. It works a little bit better than sage, in my opinion. Frankenstein? Frankincense. And myrrh. Myrrh. <laughs> <laughs> well, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at do not sleep alone. And you can email us any spooky, scary stories, such as anything that's like true crimey or anything that's super scary that is going to make us want to cry again. Mm-hmm. And by us, I mean Morgan. I did definitely yeah, cry. Morgan I did definitely did. For, I can. She can't even talk. It's okay. I had like six tears, legitimate tears, because yeah. I was just so uncomfortable. I didn't know what else. My body was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do but to cry. 
send me your spooky stories so I can lose some more sleep. Because yep. honestly, I'm having a great time doing it. Yeah. <laughs> she, we're living our best life. She's living her best life. I'm living my best life. Email us at do not sleep alone official at gmail.com. Yep. Even if it's just a link, send it to your girl. DM just us. Do, it. do whatever. Let's just do, do it. it. Have a great night. Good luck. And, and don't, don't sleep, sleep alone. alone. <laughs>